Praise God. You may be seated. What a blessing. You know, we have a lot of children at this church, and what a responsibility and opportunity we have to make a huge difference. Uh, that was powerful. And it's because these young ladies love Jesus. And thanks for being a part of that, parents and teachers. It is incredible what the Lord is doing. As a church, we are in an interesting time. We are recruiting and at the same time uh, being prepared to work the plan that God has given us. And so that's exciting and it's challenging. And at the same time that we recruit and get focused on working the plan, we want to work on the passion, the heart. Because if we come to that 12th of September ready in knowing what to do and can couple with that the greatest passion we've ever had for Jesus, then that's a combination, that's a combinational influence that's going to make a difference in a lot of people. So I'm focusing on our heart again tonight, and I'm talking about the experience of the second wind. When something ignites in your soul, it's coming from God, and it gives you a strength that before you did not have. Here are words from Ephesians. He, God, will strengthen you with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Inner strength, and then he says, and you will know his love. You'll know it in a new way. He talks about the width of God's love, the depth of his love. And then you have an experience out of that love with faith in the power of God where you start asking for things that are beyond comprehension. Like you are trusting now a God who can do far more than you could ask or think. So you see this transition of the heart. You see this ignition of God's power in the soul. Once again, I take you to Romans chapter 8. And the words are coming on the screen. We'll start at verse 31 because this is such a powerful passage that is all about that love. Let me set up the passage. When Paul is writing to the Romans, they are in between the cross and the crown. In other words, there's grace, but there's suffering in the present age. But one day they will receive a crown, they will be in heaven. Romans talks about the cross. Romans talks about the crown. But in this passage we read right now, it centers on that season called the church age. And it talks about the power to deal with the church age and in the church age, in the day in which we're living, the enemy of our souls seeks to attack in every possible way so that it drains the energy of God right out of us So that our passion wanes and the fire dwindles. So that instead of being a bright and shining light, uh, we're lukewarm. And so this passage was written for that middle season. It's for us tonight. And it's all about the power of love. When he talks in Romans about how to deal with this season... This, this church age, this time between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus, you deal with it through 
ultimate glory. It's in the book of Romans. That God has the last word and one day we will be in his presence face to face. It's heaven. And so the encouragement comes from knowing that one day we're moving to a place called home. So that's powerful. That's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. Fixing our eyes on that hope. Let us run. So there's help in our future destination, in our future blessing, the blessed hope. Then he says, you deal with the church age by the power of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to read through Romans and, talk, and read how you can cry out to the Father, Abba Father. And the Spirit of God that rests powerfully in your soul to strengthen you in the struggle. Then he says, not only do you have the glory of God, that ultimate glory, and the Holy Spirit, but you have the sovereignty of God. And that's why he wrote in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good. It was an encouragement. Not each thing, but when you put them all together, in, in every different ingredient of the mixture of life, once it comes through the fire of testing, it will produce something amazing. So that's to encourage us in this middle season. And then finally, he comes to verse 31 through 39, and he's like reached, uh, it, it's, it's the Everest of the biblical Himalayas. Verses 31 through 39 that talk to us about the power of God's love to make it through the tough time. You're going to see that as we continue in God, this love works and we experience the second wind. The second wind originates with the power of the love of God. I'm getting excited about these verses. Why don't we read them together? Let's begin. Want to read it together out loud? Let's begin. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now let's finish strong. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's praise him for the power those words. Yeah. 
The entire passage shows us that we're anchored by the love of God. God's for us. In a case we wonder, he goes through four questions. Who's against us? Who will condemn us, accuse us, or separate us? Nothing and no one. Now remember the context in which it was written. You had Caesar who was persecuting the Christians. I mean, Nero is soon to come. He's the one who will crucify Peter upside down in the form of an X. These, these men were cruel times 10 squared. I mean, it's just, they were torturous to people who loved Jesus. And so in that context, he, he is saying, who's going to accuse you? You see, if you, were, if you were found to be serving God and somehow Rome would give you your little corner, your little sect in which you could worship, then others who kept the accusations that you didn't honor Caesar, that you defied Rome because you would not get involved in bowing and offering incense in worship, then my friend, you were offered, matter of fact, Caesar was known to take Christians and, and just wrap them in pitch and turn them into torches to light his garden parties. This was evil. And it's in this struggle, it's between the, the cross and the crown, this intense struggle that Paul says, the power that's going to get you through this is the power of God's love. Love that says, not even Caesar has the last word. No one can accuse, condemn, and nothing can separate you. As hard as this is, it cannot separate you from the love of God. So you're seeing the power of love as being that which resources our willingness and ability to continue. There was a four-year-old boy who was diagnosed with a sickness that only gave him months to live. And so one day he says to his mom, what happens when you die? His mom was really challenged with that question and struggled with it. And she felt God gave her just what to say to her little boy. She says, death is this. You know how when you fall asleep on the couch... And you wake up the next day in your bed and you don't even know how you got, got there. It's because your father came in, your father who loves you, and with his strong arms, he picked you up and he took you where you were supposed to be. And she said, when you die, that's what happens. The strong arms of God wrap around you. They pick you up and they take you where you are supposed to be. And she then went on to read to him Romans 8, 31 through 39, which she said literally held her boy in such a difficult time and held the whole family and gave them the power to continue. Peter Marshall is at the Naval Academy and he's preaching. On his way to the pulpit, he just felt checked that he should really deal with War and the consequences of, of being willing to sacrifice. 
And so he even referenced this story about the little boy. And then he took time to walk them through the truth of Romans 8, 31 through 39. And soldier after soldier has written about how that literally held them in the times of intense struggle. The power of God's love. A pastor went to West Point. He was to speak. But they first took him out back to the West Point Cemetery. There are all these graves. And among all of these soldiers that are buried there, there are two old ladies that have been buried. The question came, why are they buried here? The history, these two ladies live just across the Hudson. And they would get in a boat and come across the Hudson every day and share gospel teaching to all of those at West Point. So he said, so these ladies are buried here because they led a Sunday school class? He said, no, not exactly. You see, they not only taught them the scripture, they wrote a song. They wrote a song that has helped soldiers in the most difficult times. And the song they wrote was the, this, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. It was that powerful song that held these soldiers. I'm talking about commanders, lieutenants, that were held by the power of God's love. What am I saying tonight? I am saying that there is power in the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. He has conquered Satan. And there will be hardship. There will be the press of life. But you are more than a conqueror because of Christ's victory. His victory becomes our victory. And so it's the anchor that holds. The power of grace is the anchor that holds. When when pastors were called to dig out three sermons a week and started pastoring conventionally as we know it now. Now, this was many, many years ago. And they didn't have the vast resources at their fingertips as we do today. They were known to have three books in their library. First of all, the Bible. Secondly, Pilgrim's Progress. And then finally, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox, who wrote the book about the martyrs, it's a compilation of these great men and women who died for the cause of Christ. And he writes about how they died in glory, not in defeat. Here's the reason he wrote the book. Because he was charged with the responsibility to take four little boys whose dad had been murdered because of his Christian faith. And Fox was to teach those little boys about Christ about Christianity, that which their father was so devoted to that it cost him his life. And Fox writes that the way he was able to help those little boys even open their heart to Christ was by teaching them the power of Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. All four of those boys went on to be strong followers of Christ, and every one of them testify of the power of that passage And when they died, they all had put on their tombstone, we are more than conquerors. That is the power of God's love. I know we talk about the love of God. It's in many of our songs. It's in much of our discussion. But I pray it's more than lyrics and more than talk. But it becomes power to, at times, the weary soldier. 
a second wind that comes into your soul because of the power of God's love. Now, I want to go to the Old Testament. It's in the book of Joshua. And I want to talk about a man just for a few minutes who I think experienced, though we don't read it exactly, I think it shows up in the kind of life that he led and the report about him. I'm going to begin reading in in chapter 14, verse 10. This is the story of Caleb. Listen to these words. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive. He's kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Remember the promise? That they were to go into the land God had given. But because of fear, they weren't able to go. Let's just keep reading. It tells us about it. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, God kept me. Today, I'm 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And that stirs me up. I am as strong today, 45 years later, having dealt with the wilderness in between Egypt and the promised land. The way I have dealt with the wilderness is through the power of God. The love of God that flows as a result of the promise of God that sustains the heart of the followers of God that calls us to say, I'm stronger than I've ever been. That is my passionate prayer to God for us as a church. I pray that we as a church can say, we are as strong today as we have ever been. It's the power of love. So he says... I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as I could then. I've got to stand up on this. <laughs> this just gets a hold of me. I tried to sit down to be calm, but after a while you just can't stand it. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. Please get a hold of the context. This guy now in his 80s, 45 years after he was on the verge of experiencing the very promise of God, is still eager, passionate, focused, and willing to take the hill. I can fight. I can travel just like I could then. The church that has that as their attitude is the church that the devil cannot stop. And the only way to have that is our attitude and our motivation is to experience the love of God until we really believe we're more than conquerors. Then we can say, times are tough now. I don't understand all that's going on, but my God is in control. My God is with me. My God is for me. And it begins to move you through the quitting point. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled cities. Now he's talking about these giants. But if the Lord is with me, 
I'll drive them out of the land. Just as the Lord said. Now, now he's saying all this and it's Joshua's turn to speak. So Joshua, he blessed Caleb, the son of Jephthah. And he said, go, go. Go get him. Hebron is yours. And I have no doubt that Joshua's going, feel sorry for those giants. Caleb's on the way. And it won't be long until Caleb has built his home and his family is enjoying the land. His kids, his grandkids and their grandkids because this man is moving in the power of God. This man is moving in the promise of God and he can't be stopped. And so the last thing that you see of Caleb is that he's going to the hill country and it just seems that he, he hiked into the hill country with the kind of gait that says, I'm more than a conqueror. There is something about continuing when we are struggling that moves us to the experience of God's love that creates fresh power. We call it the second wind. And then it allows us to continue. This is what's amazing. You set your mind to continue, and though you feel like the strength is coming from you, it's God that's giving you the strength to continue. And then it moves you into the experience of God's power that comes by way of his love. And now you continue. Continue. Hear that. Don't quit. Continue. Good things happen for those who continue. Keep on. Some great words that I find in Scripture. Here's what it says over in Acts 2. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread and fellowship with one another. And look at the influence they had because they continued. So I close with that tonight, that if you will continue, though it's tough, there is power through God's love that's going to minister to you here and now. And then out of that love, as you experience a new breadth and depth and height of the love of God, there will be fresh power and you'll start believing at a whole new level. It's so hard to bring the supernatural into the natural in just human language. You want the Holy Spirit to always be the voice behind the voice. Anytime you hear a preacher, you're listening for the voice behind the voice. Because the Holy Spirit is saying stuff to you, relevant to you, that's going to be different than even the person sitting right next to you. And yet, he's speaking a corporate word. What I'm saying, I hope you can, can testify that you've experienced it before. And that it will come again. But I want your heart to open up to the kind of church that is not wearing out but morphing, powering up through the grace of God. And that in the last days, difficult days, children, young people, young adults, adults, senior adults are saying, I'm as strong as I've ever been. I'm strong in God. I'm strong in the Lord. And I've got this challenge in front of me. 
and I want to attack. I, I want to be aggressive. I've got great expectations. Release me to the destiny. And with that kind of faith, you will take territory for the glory of God. Now, if that kind of power could be in Caleb's heart, it's available to us. Peter Marshall. He sustained hurting hearts with Romans 8, 31 through 39, and they found a new, fresh motivation. Those at West Point, over and over, read the history. They'll talk about the power of Romans 8, 31 through 39 and the song that was written by these two ladies. The power of God's love. Over and over again. I mentioned Fox's Book of Martyrs. In Pilgrim's Progress. Written by the man who was in prison for about 12 years. He was in prison because of his passionate heart to preach the gospel. Which at that day was against the law. And he refused to quit. So they put him in prison. But while in prison they allowed him to write. They allowed him to sing. They allowed him to just. I, I mean history would say he would be found shouting the praises of God there in that prison cell. But study his life. Not just Pilgrim's Progress that talks about the burden of sin and that person with the burden of sin finding help through the power of the cross. Again, it's the power of God's love. But John Bunyan writes, what kept him, sustained him, and gave him a sense of of perseverance was Romans 8, 31 through 39. Telling you, there's power in these words. When we really live as a church family... With this attitude, God is for us. He's not against us. And if God is for us, who or what can be against us? And that really settles into your heart. You then reach a place where you say, you know, I'm more than a conqueror. I am persuaded. I am convinced that my God is with me and my God is able. And I don't care, angels or demons... See, past or future. You're not, you're not determined by circumstance. You're determined by the truth of God's word and promise to you and the power of his love. Imagine a church family that has found contentment in that kind of power. We don't need anything but God. Everything else is a blessing. Thank God for all of our stuff, but our hope is in God. Our hope is in the Lord Our hope is in the Lord. (laughs) Walk in that power is my prayer. So, going along through the Bible and you're seeing just one peak after the other of God's incredible principles and truths. But one rises even above them all. And it's when he said, in Romans 8, 31 through 39, the words of his love captured in the picture of how nothing can stand against you, it moves you to a convincing of the heart that God is with you. It all is a result of the power of the cross and between the cross and the crown. In this age of struggle, be prepared to experience the motivation, the power of the love of Christ. Lord, I thank you for our time tonight. Stir us with that power. 
here in his presence tonight, just experience that love. Let him minister that to your heart right now. You know the walls that seem to be in your path, the, the challenges, the giants.